Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Coronapod. In this show, we're going to bring you nature's take on the latest COVID-19 developments. And we'll be speaking to experts around the world about research during the pandemic. We're entering a new era now. We have new COVID strategies. There's some new unknowns, and we've got a vaccine. Hello, and welcome to Coronapod. I'm Noah Baker, and joining me this week is a voice you may not have heard before, Sarah Abdullah. Hi, Sarah, how are you? Hi, Noah. Nice to speak to you. So, listeners of the Nature podcast may recognise your voice, but you have not been on Coronapod before. Before we get going, can you just tell us who you are and what you do at Nature? So, I am the Chief Opinion Editor of Nature. And this week we're going to talk about, I guess, a topic more broadly, but it is something that has been covered in your section recently in a comment piece how we assess the impact of COVID. So we talked a lot about stats on Coronapod and the main stats we tend to talk about are infection rates and mortality rates. But there is a kind of a more nuanced way to look at the impact of coronavirus and in fact look at the impact of diseases more broadly on global health. Can you tell us a little bit more about what we're talking about here? Yeah, sure. So many diseases around the world are tracked looking at their impact on good health. So there are a couple of metrics used by health economists called DALIs and QUALIs, and these stand for Disability Adjusted Life Years and Quality Adjusted Life Years. And basically, they are a measure of how much your kind of healthiness is impacted by having a condition. The kind of canonical example is something like diabetes. If you are diagnosed with diabetes at the age of, say, 50, we know that you're probably going to suffer a lot of ill health thereafter. And so qualies and dallies can be used to look at the sort of burden of health due to particular conditions. So... Pretty much since the beginning of the COVID outbreak, I've been fascinated by the issue of not just how many people are getting it and how many people are dying, but how many people are being left with long range disability due to COVID, both due to going to hospital and how sick they are when they come out of hospital, but also people who get mild, in inverted commas, COVID, And even people who get COVID and have no idea that they had it, there are some lasting effects. And we're now starting to see studies emerging, counting up some of that long lasting burden of ill health. 
And I think public health experts would completely agree that the initial response of focusing on case numbers, infection rates, death rates makes a lot of sense because you need something that you can get quickly, that you can gather quickly to help control a pandemic. But as time goes on, the impact of a disease like COVID can have far more long-reaching impacts. And now is the time that those studies are starting to come out and they can have really quite profound impacts on policy, for example, to put things really, really bluntly as a kind of a completely hypothetical example. If you had some mysterious disease that killed three people, then you might think, well, it's only killed three people, so it's not that important. But if you then found out that it only killed three people, but 6,000 people were left blind... That's a huge impact. And so looking at these measures in a different way can really change the way that we think about policy. That's absolutely right. So looking at Qualys and Dally's calculations, currently the sort of the back of an envelope is that about 30% of the health burden due to COVID will come from disability and not death. I think it basically says to us, allowing a high number of cases, even among the young, could have consequences that we're not currently accounting for. Just to talk a little bit about what does some of that long-term disability look like, it is enormously heterogeneous, which I think is one of the things that is quite confusing. So people have probably heard a lot about long COVID, which commonly leaves people with chronic pain, brain fog, enormous fatigue. So these are the sort of things that would make it very hard to go back to work, to continue to parent. But also people are often, I think, surprised to hear that COVID can leave people with diabetes. It can mean that people need kidney transplants, dialysis for life. Even quite mild cases of COVID are leaving people with significant heart damage. So the long range implications of getting COVID are more serious, I think, than the mainstream media narrative would lead you to believe. Yeah. And I think we should say that what we're saying here is not that if you get COVID, you therefore are going to have diabetes afterwards, you're going to therefore have a risk of stroke afterwards and need kidney dialysis. It's not saying that these things happen in every case. But what we are saying is that because of the way that the stats and the impact of COVID has been reported, the picture has not been painted as clearly as it could be, because there may be all these things that are missed, because we're using the wrong stat, I suppose, misrepresenting the impact of COVID, especially in people that are young, for example, that may see themselves as kind of a little bit invincible when it comes to COVID. Exactly as you say, if a 30-year-old sees a bunch of graphs that show an uptick in people of 30 having strokes or a global uptick in erectile dysfunction or uh, studies showing that elite athletes in the US who have asymptomatic COVID are left with interesting things happening in their hearts... I think that changes your sense of the level of risk that you wish to take and perhaps changes the narrative around lockdowns or nothing. And I think that's also a really key point here when you talk about lockdowns and the kind of public health policies that have been put in place all over the world to try to reduce the spread of COVID. There has been this kind of dichotomy that's been put forward. It's either we lock down to stop people dying 
or we think about the long-term impacts of locking down economically, things like obesity, depression, those are really important. But there has been this kind of dichotomy posed that COVID is an immediate risk and lockdowns can have long-term impacts. But I think that's a false dichotomy. And Dali's and Kuali's show us that there is also a long-term impact of COVID economically, socially, culturally as well. And so that dichotomy is just not quite right. A hundred percent. So it is really complicated. And I suppose what needs to happen now, and I think later this year, there will be a couple of really big reports that happen annually on the global burden of disease due to all sorts of different causes. And I think this will be the first time that COVID is included in there. And that hopefully will shift the narrative. But the whole calculation of collateral COVID, i.e. what costs are we still going to be bearing 5, 10, 50 years hence, needs to start to include long-range health costs. I mean, an interesting aside, actually, is qualities and dallies can help people take decisions in different nations of different income about how to spend their limited vaccine doses. So commonly, many nations have vaccinated the most vulnerable and the frontline workers first, which actually seems to be a sensible strategy, certainly in high-income nations. Interestingly, Indonesia is doing something different. So I think they are vaccinating frontline workers first, but then they are doing the 18 to 59 cohort and the people over 60 can wait in line. And the reason they've done that is because they are a young developing nation with, I suppose, a a smaller amount of kind of economic buffer. And so their working age population needs to not take a hit. Absolutely. And we're not saying that deaths don't matter, because of course they do. People that are vulnerable that might die, it's we want to support them. Any nation would want to support them. But there are many ways you can look at the impacts of a disease on a country. And qualities and dallies give you that different lens to see that more holistically in a way that deaths as a relatively blunt measure does not. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. This isn't in any way to undermine the terrible tragedy of the number of people who have died so far of COVID and the terrifying prospect that we may not yet be even at the halfway point globally of the number of people who may die from COVID. It is just a reminder, I suppose, to say that COVID is a disease that currently approximately seems to kill around about two in a hundred people who get it, but it's now emerging that it may leave up to 10 times more people who get it with some kind of lasting damage to their health. And certainly the whole kind of burden of health as a policy calculation is much more prominent in low and middle income nations where it is a key determinant of how you spend your very limited health dollars. In your section, what you do is you publish opinion pieces, commentaries by experts in the field who have something, a position that they want to put forward. What are scientists calling for at the moment? Yeah, we've had a couple of things during the pandemic so far. One we published pretty early on was from a professor of public health in the UK who herself is a long COVID sufferer. And that was last May, I think. And she at the time was, even back then, was calling for rising ill health to be counted just as cases and deaths are counted and now that we're kind of a year on from that I think the health economists are continuing to say let's refine our abilities to calculate these numbers and then let's actually use them. 
Okay, so as time goes on, we will gather more information. Dallies and qualies may or may not become more relevant in health policy. These are all things that are yet to be seen. But for now, Sarah, thank you so much. I hope you join us again on Coronapod, maybe to talk about things that aren't metrics, but who knows, maybe metrics again. Thanks, Noah. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.